listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. And I'm his co-host, Alyssa. Let's meet our guest today. Hi, I'm Pat Bailey, and I'm really glad and honored to have an opportunity to spend time with you guys this morning. And just real quickly, uh, that little bit of background, I grew up in uh, Moscow, Idaho. I graduated from high school in 1974, uh, was on a baseball scholarship at the University of Idaho, graduated from the University of Idaho in 78, and my wife and I uh, got married when I was 21 and she was 20, been married for 46 years. Anyhow, um, have two children, my son Alex, my daughter Anne, and three grandchildren right now and another one on the way. So that's a really quick synopsis of my personal <laughs> life. And then uh, from a career life, I I taught and coached in high school for 16 years, uh, finished at Westland High School in 1995, was a head baseball coach there and a business teacher. And then I went to George Fox University where I was the head baseball coach there and ended up being the associate athletic director. And we won a national championship there in 2004. And then I went to Oregon State University uh, in 2007, was there from 2007 till 2020. And when I was a recruiting coordinator and associate head coach, we won uh, the national championship against Arkansas in 2018. And when I finished in 2020, I was 64 at the time and I wasn't ready to retire. My wife asked, what are you going to do? Because you're not going to sit around the house. And, <laughs> and I love to fish and I enjoy playing golf, but I want something else to do. And within a couple of days, um, Ryan Johnston called me up, uh, who's the five-state director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and asked me if I'd be interested. And I said, absolutely. And from there, here I am now, three years later, still working for FCA. So that's kind yeah. of a really quick synopsis of my life. There we go. Then, yeah, thanks for that. So uh, uh, obviously uh, it has a little bit of uh, coaching history and so yeah. on. But uh, let's, like we like to do, let's drag you back to early childhood and kind of take our time, what that looked like, where were you born, and what what was uh, Pat like in elementary school, that type of stuff. I was an angel in elementary school. Of course. Now, <laughs> Everyone we, was. Can right? we just get a few teachers' references and then <laughs> yeah. check on that? <laughs> no. I was uh, born in Rock Springs, Wyoming. If you've ever been there, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I don't know if you know much about Wyoming, but it's southwestern Wyoming, and Rock Springs is probably one of the ugliest cities in the entire United States. I hate saying that. So I take it you're not going to be running for mayor of Rock Springs anytime soon. No, no. Uh, Wyoming, it's really interesting because from Evanston, Wyoming, you go east to Rock Springs, it's 110 miles. From Rock Springs, go north to Pinedale, it's 110 miles. And if you go from Rock Springs to Rawlings, it's 110 miles. And the reason why is because of Pony Express. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That so, was the stretches so, that was, yeah. Necessary. My dad was in uh, the oil business. He, uh, When I was really little, he worked for Halliburton, which is a okay. huge oil company sure. out of Texas. And uh, he had a pipe off of one of the uh, drilling rigs, hit him in the head, and almost killed him. Wow. And so he ended up uh, going in. He, he bought a Phillips 66 gas station in Rock Springs. And when I was nine... He sold that, and he bought four gas stations up in the Moscow Pullman area. By the time I was a senior in college, he owned 12 tire centers and five gas stations, a guy that had an eighth-grade education. So <laughs> I learned uh, hard work from him at a very young age. I started working in tire centers and gas stations when I was 13 years old. So yeah. um, went to high school in Moscow, was a three-sport athlete there. I played football, basketball, and baseball. Um, met my wife when I was a junior in high school. Uh, third time we went out, I told her that uh, we were going to get married. She scared the heck out of her. But 
<laughs> we ended up getting married when I was 21 and she was 20. We're yeah. high school sweethearts. And uh, anyhow, I sure. got a job offer down in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I was playing baseball at the University of Idaho at the time. We, uh, we had conference games at Portland and Portland State. So I came down and interviewed for the job. And I'll be honest with we let when we left Eugene after being there for two days, I asked my wife, I said, do you want to live in Eugene? She said, absolutely not. <laughs> and so we drove up to Salem. Um, I had to call the superintendent on a payphone, which you probably know what a payphone looks like. <laughs> always. But anyhow, um, I we prayed before uh, I got on. And I prayed, hey, Lord, if he doesn't say, hey, Pat, you got the job, I'm not taking the job. And thought that was our way out of not having to come to Oregon. Well, <laughs> I got on the phone. His secretary answered. Glenn Hankins, who's the assistant superintendent at the time, gets on the phone. He goes, the exact words, hey, Pat, you got the job. Uh, and he goes, are you going to take? And I said, yes, I don't have a, I don't like, have a choice. It, exactly what I so said. So I say. got back in the car and told my wife, we drove from Salem up to Portland where she dropped me off where our team was at a hotel. And, and uh, I bet you we didn't say probably 15 words to each other on the way up because we were both shocked. But <laughs> we also wanted to be obedient to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So this first job I applied for and instead I took it. So anyhow, we thought we'd be in Oregon for about a year. And here it is. Since 1978, I mean, it's 45 uh -huh. years later, we're still here. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a lot of, well, almost all the states and that, but I, I still think uh, the Wyant Valley and Oregon is one of the uh, best places to live. You speak of the 110, 110, but like, you know, you're an hour and a half from the desert, an hour and a half from the beach, an hour and a half from the snow, you know, so. You know, I've been all over the country as a recruiting coordinator. Sure. I mean, literally all over the country. And I'm telling you, this area is the prettiest area in the entire country. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. I mean, we put up with a little bit of allergies, and then that's about it. We get a mild <laughs> version of all four seasons, and uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And our fair share of rain, but that's how everything stays beautiful, right? Well, and not, there isn't any place perfect to live, so. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, it, looking back at, at childhood, uh, can you think of anything that you envisioned then that isn't the way it is now or i mean like what was little pat thinking in middle school or high school i mean you were playing little league i presume and and that type of stuff i mean yeah let's give you a little background my grandpa who lived in rock springs uh loved baseball loved sports in general but he lo really loved baseball and he played baseball uh all the way up till when he was like 30 plus years old be played on semi-pro teams and things like that. So I, my love for baseball came from my grandpa. And mm. he loved to fish, too, and I love fishing. And so I actually, from the time I was 10 till I was 16, I went and lived with my grandparents every summer in Wyoming, played baseball and, and fished a lot uh, with my grandfather in rivers and lakes there. So um, anyhow, that's where my love for baseball came. And then uh, as far as growing up, um, I mean, my childhood was around uh, just having fun. I mean, I loved when I got in high school. I loved hunting. I loved bird hunting. It was a lot of fun. Um, I shot one deer, and I felt so bad afterwards. I never shot another deer. But <laughs> yeah. anyhow, uh, just loved outdoors, loved sports. I did not be accept the Lord till I was a senior in high school. Okay. And I had a guy named Terry Stokesbury who was part of Young Life. That just befriended me and engaged me relationally and started doing just life with me. And uh, yeah. in the fall of my senior year, I accepted the Lord. And my wife, I will 
say this. She went, uh, we both grew up in non-Christian homes. She went to a Young Life camp up in Malibu in Canada the summer. That first year we started going out and she accepted the Lord up there. So that's kind of the backdrop of how I got uh, to know. Better start Terry checking Stokes that stuff Barry. out. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Best decision I ever made in my life. That Very, and marrying my wife. Yeah. How about most challenging time maybe in coaching or education? Yeah, I'd say probably the most challenging time for me coaching was when I went to Westland High School in 1984. Uh, when I got up there, they'd won a state championship in 78 and 82. And when I got there, I thought, okay, this is going to be a great program, a lot of talent, yada, yada. And uh, when I got there, my first year, we did well my first year. We had a pitcher that ended up going to Santa Clara, a guy named Larry Donahue, uh, that was really good. And we got the playoffs that year. But when that group left, the following year we went, uh, I think we were all in 10 to start with, went 6 and 19. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, I've got to figure out what to do. So I got more involved with our Little League program. Um, and I uh, actually got, I talked him into the coaches who coached our Little League. They had to come to four out of six sessions that I ran every year in January and February. Um, we only had about 200 boys that were playing Little League at the time. When I left Westland, we had over 1,000. I was go. involved that way. And then we started running camps uh, so that our young people would learn how we, we taught everything. And we went, we went uh, six and nineteen. We went two years in a row, twelve and fourteen. Nineteen eighty-eight until twenty twenty. Nineteen eighty-eight was the last year that I was on. A, I was a part of a team that didn't have a winning record. Wow. So um, you know, and obviously we got. Uh, I'm telling you right now, we coaches can talk about how great a coach they are, but I got news for you: you got to have talent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't exactly. care where, where you're at. When we won at George Fox in 04, which is a non-scholarship program, I had five guys on that team that ended up playing professional baseball. Mm -hmm. We won, won national championship. Won national championship in 18. We had four guys on that team that were first-round draft picks. So, yeah. um, you know, it's amazing when you have a lot of talent on teams how much better you are as a coach. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking um, when you talk about high school compared to college, you can't just recruit harder, right? So uh, I like the model you set that, well, I obviously have to get a better talent pool coming forward. So Little League is a, probably your best investment and so on. So it may take a little longer as opposed to just getting the car, getting on a plane and, and recruiting the crap out of something, you know, to get better players. You can mm -hmm. turn something around maybe faster, you know, at the college level. But Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. another thing is with the high school thing, uh, what happened was we just ended up reloading every year because all the kids that were coming through by the time, because I left Westland in 95, my last five, six years there, all the kids that were coming up already knew our assistant sure. before they even got to high school. So right. it just really helped getting the coaches involved and having them teach the same things that we were teaching. Yeah, yeah. Do your kids have the same interest in sports that you did? My, that's a great question. My son and my daughter both played sports. Um, my son played football, uh, basketball, and baseball like I did to start with, and then he dropped basketball his junior year and just played football and baseball. And then my daughter played uh, volleyball, basketball, and softball. A couple sports there? Yeah. And then she, uh, by the time she was just going into her senior year, she was just playing softball. Uh, she decided just to play softball. And right before it started, she had a boyfriend, and she came into us and said, I hope you're not disappointed in me, but I really don't want to play softball my senior year. I just want to hang. And she was a really good student, and she was involved in a lot of things in school. Um 
And she left the room. My wife and I both went, yes. Because if you've yeah, ever been to the, softball tournaments, uh, oh, they yeah, go it's a, all day long. Yeah, it's a three-day-a-week commitment, and you're usually not in the same city. <laughs> you're, yeah, so yeah. you're traveling, and yeah, it it's a beast. I, yeah. yeah I mean, she was on select softball teams, and it was yeah. crazy some of the tournaments we went to, how many games they played in a day, and you know, yeah. anyhow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, slightly similar to us, our, our son was a, you know, a really academically uh, gifted kid, and they wanted him to take like four or five AP classes, you know, as junior and senior, and we just said two. Like, you have to enjoy high school a little bit, you know? And so, and then one was a real snoozer to him, so we allowed him to have three, so to speak. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then for us, uh, both our kids played some sports early on, but by late middle school, music had won out. And so, again, as parents, you're just wanting to add the kindling to, to their interest and what they're best at and, and enjoy most, they'll eventually gravitate to. And so, yeah. yeah. And uh, we didn't push sports on our kids. No. In yeah. fact, we had a rule. You can only play one sport at a time because yeah. you, you have young people that are playing three sports and the parents are running all over the place. And my wife just said, and she was right, she put the foot down. You are not doing more than one sport at a time. So if you're playing football, you're playing football. You're not going to play baseball on the weekends. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and now with club sports and stuff, it's it's a it's an entire beast that takes the whole family five days a week. And so yes. I don't know how much time they're spending at home or having dinner together. And you know, you know this as good as anybody that uh, there's only a small percentage of kids that are even going to play at the college level. It's like five so, percent. You know, yeah. Yeah. So. Which speaking of percentages, I was thinking about this when you were sharing your story about being sweet, high school sweethearts with your wife. I when I was in high school, the percentage was one percent of high school sweethearts like last. And so I was going to say congratulations on being in the, the 1% of people who make it last. That's awesome. I'm a golden retriever. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people I'm JV and my wife's varsity. So <laughs> I was very fortunate to have the wife I had, especially with coaching college sports and the mm. amount of time I was away from home and yeah, just everything, how supportive she was of what I was doing. We knew it was our, I mean, we saw it as our mission field to have an impact on young people's lives. So yeah, yeah. Um, what about what was the biggest surprise as you were going into education and coaching? Maybe what at the competitive high school or college level was a surprise or different than you might have expected it to be? Probably in high school, my biggest surprise, and I, this is going to sound really weird, but, uh, you know, a lot of people thought people who coach couldn't teach. And mm -hmm. I took teaching very seriously. And probably out of all the awards I've gotten, my most favorite award is I was Teacher of the Year in the state of Oregon in 1994. There you go. And uh, so teaching was really important to me. And I thought, you know, if you're going to be a great coach, you've got to be a great teacher first. I've never met a person that's a great coach that's not a great teacher. So yeah, um, I think probably for me in high school, I took teaching very seriously. On to do a great job, and honestly, it's uh, you know it's a witness for the Lord to do a great job teaching. So that was something that was really important to me. In college, I would say probably I had no idea, and if I had kids at home, I probably wouldn't have stayed. But I had no idea how much I was going to be away from home when I became the recruiting coordinator. I mean, I was. Mm. I, I mean, I'll just give you an example. Um, the year one national championship. From the time we started, we opened play on February fourteenth, and we didn't have kids, so my wife traveled with us a lot. So we opened, she always went to the warm places, like when we yeah. went to Arizona. Oh, you're going or, to Florida, Arizona? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Book it for two. Yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely. Um, from that 
February 14th till we won the national championship on June 28th. I had three days off. Wow. And that's college coaching because uh, you're, you know, you get done on a weekend and you're, you got to prepare for the following week for scouting reports and things like that. And I was in charge of our scouting reports too. So, um, and then we got home on the, on the 29th, the 30th, I'd worked in my yard and I also, uh, did pay our bills because I pay our bills. And Susan was with me the whole time when we were at the World Series. And my kids came to at different intervals during that World Series as well. But, uh, and then that Sunday, I got up probably like at four o'clock in the morning and headed up to Portland, jumped on a plane to go recruit him. And from that point, wow. from uh, July 1st until we hit an NCAA quiet period on August 20th, I was probably home maybe 10 days over that two month period of time. Wow. So, yeah. And then I can see the lure, right? When you're, you're in the world series and, and that, I mean, you got to capitalize on, on all that reputation and, and, and press and exposure, right. To get in yeah, front of kids. And, you know, and, people yeah. say, well, you want a world series and you need to work as hard. Well, come on. In our society today, kids forget a week later who won the world series because have yeah. so many other things going on. So that's, that's not going to work. If you want to be successful, you got to put time in. Yeah. Well, and, it, you know, getting there's one thing. It doesn't get easier to stay there, right? No. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you were younger and playing sports, did you see yourself as like, were you always passionate about the coaching side of it? Like, did you picture yourself going into coaching and more of the... No. <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. I was majoring in uh, business administration. Okay. And I had a teacher take me out to dinner. And the teacher said I should go into education. And I laughed. I said, I'm not going to be a teacher. They don't make any money. <laughs> and he goes, would you just take an education class one and I'll never bother you again. And he's a teacher I really respected. Mm. So I took an education class and I switched from business administration to business education. But even when I was getting my degree, I mean, I, I knew... Uh, that I'd probably end up coaching because they want people to coach who go into, into education. Today, it's not like that. But back when I was started, everybody who coached was on staff full time. Right. So uh, I ended up, um, the, when I was at Willamette High School in Eugene, the six years, I coached uh, football, baseball every year. And then I also coached wrestling one year, which I know nothing about wrestling, but he just wanted me to help, and he knew I was organized, so I was running the clock and doing things <laughs> like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just I coached football and baseball at Westland every year except for a couple of years uh, to help our family out. So, yeah, I, I, I had no idea that I was going to go into education. That, that, to me, that's just a God thing. He just, you know, it, it says in the Bible that, we we make plans, but God directs our paths in Proverbs sixteen nine, and, and He's definitely directed my wife's and my path. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about uh, if you were talking to Pat at twenty five years old uh, from what you've learned till now? What piece of advice do you think you'd give twenty uh, five year old Pat? You know what I would have said to Pat: Why are you coaching? Why are you teaching? What's your purpose? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because when I first started coaching, I did it for wins and losses. I mean, I cared about the kids, but I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I cared yeah. more about winning and losing than I did about the kids, which was wrong. And it took me probably until I was about 32 or 33 to realize, hey, this is an opportunity for you to have be a witness 
and to be a great example for young men and help them to grow up to be the man that God intended for them to be. And let's be honest, we have a major issue in our country, a man issue, <laughs> not a woman issue, a man right. issue. If men were men, we wouldn't have near the problems we have in our society today. So that's that's probably what I would, would have said to 25-year-old Pat. Yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. So you've been with FCA now for three, almost four years, right? Yeah, it'll be three years in December. Three years. So what's something that um, you've you've been able to apply from all your years of working in education and working in coaching? How does that apply to what you're doing with at the FCA? Well, I'm the multi-area director for the Willamette Valley. So I'm in charge of from Salem down to Eugene and out to the coast. And I would, I would say for me, um, just it was a natural... Uh, job for me to get into because I have a passion for sports and I love the Lord. So I got to combine my two passions into what I'm doing. Now I'm not actually coaching. Um, I could coach if I wanted to, but I coached for 42 years and I could <laughs> go into all the injuries I've had and surgeries I've had. I'm, I'm, I'm done coaching. Um, I'll, I'll run camps and things like that, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to coach anymore. Uh, so I'm in charge of hiring people and we had four people when I came on, and we now have 12 people, including myself, working in Willamette Valley. We still need a lot more workers uh, for FCA. Um, but uh, if I covered my area properly, I'd have about 45 people working here in this area. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, so I I know each of the local folks to us, you know, David Prosser and, and Mason and uh Tyler Wilkins, which indirectly now helping with with you guys, is on full time at uh, Church on the Hill. I know, but uh, well, I would say that you still have opportunities to coach. It's just coaching individuals that co- that are raising up others, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, I'm in charge of training yep. all the guys that I hire. So the the uh, men and women that I hire, that's that's correct. And I and I love that. I mean, I love leadership type things. I've always read. You know, from I think I've read every John Maxwell book that he ever wrote, <laughs> and go. I love the Blanchard Institute. I've read a lot of Blanchard stuff. Uh, love John Maxwell. I think he's a great author and teacher of, of leadership. So, yeah, yeah, I've read a, I don't know somewhere around half of his stuff, and we even use in our staff and all of our mentees and mentors at Valor Mentoring go through a personality assessment. Uh, it's a disc assessment written by Maxwell, so it's its own twist on it. And so, yeah, it's quite effective, you know, so yeah. for sure. Yeah. What uh, What do you think, if you're going to throw out a couple of the biggest challenges our culture faces, uh, what might you identify? And I get uh, that there's a litany of, you know, choices to come from. But, you know, from your opinion, what are a couple of the hot button things you think? I, my number one hot button is relative versus absolute truth. I mean, there's. it's amazing to me when people say, well, if you don't agree with this particular thing, then you must not love those people. That's the stupidest comment in the world. God loves everybody unconditionally, and we're supposed to love everybody unconditionally. Yep. But there are boundaries. Right. I mean, I love my children to death, but we had specific rules in our household that they followed, and if they didn't follow them, there's consequences. Yeah. And that's how you, you, you mature and you grow. I mean, if you really care about people, you're going to talk about standards and beliefs and things like that. So I'd say the number one problem we have in our country today is just the relative truth that's going around. It's just not true. Right. And the second concern for me in our country today is just how dis- dishonest our politicians are. Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. it's just rampant in terms of how much they lie and aren't honest with people. And it's, you know, and they're supposed to be our leaders. Yep. 
So, and God puts people in leadership. I mean, it says that in the Bible. He puts leaders, people in leadership for a reason. So, I, you know, I hope that some of the stuff that's going on is going to wake people up and get them to realize and rethink what's going on. If our country doesn't change, this country's done. It's like every great um, empire in the past. It's going to be destroyed from within, not from outside, from from within. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I was trying to think if there's anything else that you wanted to make sure that you shared while you were here as we're getting close to wrapping up. And if there's any, like, you know, words of wisdom that you wanted to share with our audience before we closed out. Yeah. I, if I had anything to say to young people, I'd say get a mentor. I mean, mm-hmm. I talked to our guys. I've talked to Mason and David about that. When I was 24 years old, I had a man that became my mentor. And um, he was just an amazing guy. And he's the guy that got me to start reading my Bible on a daily basis. He got me to start memorizing scripture. Uh, we did a thing called Nov Press 2 7 series where you uh, you read your Bible and you journalized what you learned, but you also memorized one scripture verse a week. And I was with him for probably about three years before we went up to Westland and I took the job at Westland High School. But he had a huge impact on my life. So. Uh, and I'm mentoring uh, two young people right now, and I just think it's important that older people mentoring younger people. And I know that's something you guys are really involved with. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think you, if an older person who wants to be in a leadership position, he needs to mentor younger people to help him out. Yeah. Yep. That's good words and obviously something we believe in here at Valor Mentoring as well. So Yeah, if you're, if you're one of our listeners, you could uh, reach out to us at ValorMentoring.com. And if you're a parent and you have a young person you think needs a mentor or you're uh, you're in need of mentorship, reach out to us. And if you know we have a way to connect if you're really interested in athletics, we connect to the local people through FCA and so on. But, for yeah. sure. Yeah, Pat, thank you so much for joining us and thank you listeners for listening in. If they want to learn more about FCA, they can find that at fca.org or specifically if you're in the Willamette Valley, wvfca.org is where you can find out more information about what they've done and you can Google Pat and figure out all the dates and stuff that you want to figure out about all the stuff he's done as well. Um, thank you for listening and thank you for joining us, Pat. You can listen to our podcast and radio show air every Saturday at 11 a.m. on KSLM where you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Leading Well by Valor Mentoring.